Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. The Mighty Sound of the South, tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom Three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's happening, Tiger football fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Football Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, commercial appeal sports columnist. I'm joined, as always, by Evan Barnes, our Tiger football beat writer. Memphis improves to 2-0, beats Arkansas State in... uh, one that was probably a little uh, a little dicier than people wanted towards the end, but nonetheless a 55-50 win on the road in Jonesboro for the Tigers. Uh, Seth Hennigan, uh, Calvin Austin, Brandon Thomas all have monster games for the offense. The secondary struggles a little bit, but uh, uh, nonetheless, 2-0, a 2-0 Memphis team now returns to the Liberty Bowl this weekend for the biggest non-conference game of the year, Mississippi State comes to town. Um, they're also 2-0. and uh, And obviously, whenever there's an SEC team in the Liberty Bowl playing against Memphis, it's a big one. Um, so we got a lot to get to in this episode of the podcast. We're going to break down what happened against Arkansas State, talk about the <clears throat> sort of the broader implications of this Mississippi State game, and then... Uh, get you ready for the big game on Saturday. Uh, Evan, let's start out like this. How concerned are you about the defense coming out of the Arkansas State game? Let's We'll, we'll get to the, the good stuff second. Let's start with the bad. They gave up 50 points to Arkansas State, including, if I'm not mistaken, touchdowns on Arkansas State's last four possessions other than their final possession in which they threw a Hail Mary. Um, How concerned should fans be? How concerned are you? What did you see break down there for the Memphis defense? I I was pretty concerned because, just simply put, if you can't stop Arkansas State from passing the ball late when the game is in hand and they're just able to throw the ball all around, what are you going to do with Mississippi State in this air raid offense where they're chucking it the whole game? Um, I was surprised like everyone was saying that that was such a wild game when you look at the score and the numbers but what I was watching was this game should have been a 10 point win for Memphis but at minimum it should have been a 10 point game Um, I was concerned because again you could blame the defense and say well the game they were up by 18 points they started playing some soft coverage Um, Arkansas State switched quarterbacks and maybe they made him look a little bit better but that was still a good quarterback in James Blackman who you know, has some experience at Florida State, maybe not the best, but still he was able to move the ball down the field. He had that 89-yard touchdown pass that Memphis was completely caught off guard by. Um, And I'd be very concerned. I mean, they did well in the first half. They brought pressure, even though Morris Joseph was out with an injury. Um, They brought pressure to Lane Hatcher, the Arkansas State quarterback. They did a good job limiting the passing game, but I think 
Maybe either they ease off the gas or maybe James Blackman did some good things. I don't know. But I was concerned in that second half because that did not look like a defense that's going to be able to contain Mississippi State. So um, I think I would be very concerned. And, I mean, when you give up, I believe, 308 passing yards in 17 minutes of game action, that's not encouraging for um, Mississippi State. Here's what was strange to me. <clears throat> Excuse me, to me. Um, a lot of the big plays – were, go, were against Memphis's experienced DBs. Um, like, I thought, you know, Greg Rubin from White Station, the true freshman who's been playing a lot, he's, he's basically the number two corner right now. Um, he gave up that first touchdown in the first half that probably shouldn't have been a touchdown. They didn't reverse it because the camera angles weren't good enough, but it looked like the, the Arkansas State guy stepped out of bounds. But he gave up that play. But I thought of all the DBs, he was the one making the most. Uh, they were picking on him a little bit, and he he seemed to be holding up pretty well. He made some nice pass breakups, seemed to acquit himself well. But when you looked at those late scores, it was against Quindell Johnson and Jacoby Francis and Sanchez Blake, guys who have played a ton of snaps for this Memphis defense. And I don't know. What's concerning is, is – I don't know if it didn't look like it didn't look like it, some of it was breakdowns. Some of it was Arkansas State's receivers were just getting past Memphis's DBs. And yes, Arkansas State has, you know, a couple receivers that are pretty good. But it where it concerns you is, OK, now they're going to be going up against SEC receivers. And was this just lapses? Because, as you said, they were in a prevent and defense and kind of just took their gas off the pedal? Or did this expose maybe, um, you know, may, I don't know if lack of athleticism is the right phrase in the defensive backfield, but just, you know, did it expose a little bit of a talent deficit that Memphis needs to overcome in that secondary that we didn't necessarily expect because of how experienced it was? Um, now, Jacob, the guys like Jacoby Francis, Quindell Johnson, Sanchez Blake, they've performed well in big spots before. So I, I, I'm not ready to go there. Um, but watching Arizona or Arizona State, Arkansas State receivers run past Memphis DBs was was kind of eye opening a little bit. Um, and so, and then I think the other problem is is yes, Memphis created pressure particularly on the first quarterback, Hatcher. But it still seems like they can't generate a pass rush unless they're blitzing. They, they, they're they not generating a pass rush with their defensive line. And yes, they were without Morris Joseph, but he, he played against Nickel State and they didn't generate a pass rush there either. And it's frankly, I, I've said it before on the podcast, been a problem for years now. Um and you do wonder how is that defensive front going to hold up against a more physical, uh, bigger, more talented Mississippi State offensive line, um, and frankly, a more settled quarterback situation. Will Rogers at Mississippi State's averaging over 300 yards per game passing the ball, as bad as uh, or as subpar as it looks like Mississippi State's offense has been through two games in terms of scoring. I mean, that air raid offense is still moving the ball. Um, and I, I feel like you can 
uh, guarantee that when they look at this Arkansas State film, they're 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 you know they're licking their chops a little bit uh, as a as a passing offense. Now, I will say this: we're we're, we're voicing our concerns. At no point during that Arkansas State game, including the Hail Mary pass, did I think Memphis was losing that game. They no. were in control of the game most of the game. Um, and that was in large part because of the offense. Every time Arkansas State closed the gap, Memphis responded with a huge play, uh, a, huge, a lot of huge chunk plays, whether it was um, – Brandon Thomas's long touchdown runs or Calvin Austin's long uh, touchdown receptions, or even Sean Dykes had a nice long touchdown reception. Um, And it was, it looked like, you know, the Memphis offense we've grown accustomed to over the last decade, you know, whatever, seven, eight years, Um, just explosive. They're now number one in the country in total offense, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Calvin Austin had a career day over 200 yards receiving Seth Hennigan had a, his best game, obviously, um, five touchdown passes over 400 yards. Um, and, and I'll say this about Seth Hennigan. There were a couple throws in there, like the touchdown pass to, to Sean Dykes early. That was an unbelievable throw. You'll have to tell me, Evan, the, 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 I wasn't there. The ESPN, the, the, the ESPN uh, plus broadcast was so awful. Oh my gosh. The third and 18 conversion, which was a huge play in the game, like late, late in the third play. quarter. Yeah. You'll have to, can you, for people who weren't at Arkansas state, because if you weren't at Arkansas state, you do not know how that completion happened because the television crew there did not even show it. Um, it, it looked like it was a nice long pass to Calvin Austin. Was it like, a, would you say it was more Calvin Austin getting open or more Seth Hennigan dropping a dime? It was more Hennigan dropping a dime. Before I get there, I got to say, I have to agree with you because when I watched that clip or watched that tape, I was mad at that point because I was like, this is one of the best plays of the game. We asked Silverfield about it. Hennigan talked about it, but you couldn't see it. And I was just like, my God. I'm just assuming from the reaction it was a great play. <laughs> and I literally, when I watch it, I go, it must have been a great throw. Converting oh, so, third and 18. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was a great throw by Hennigan. He, was off his, he threw off his back foot quickly, threw it right to where Austin would be, and then Austin jumped up and got it while being well covered by a defender on the sidelines. It was another one of those great catches by Austin. But Hennigan – through a dime where it needed to be. And like you said, that was one of the throws where I thought he really just, you said, okay, this guy's got something in his arm where he, it's not just chucking it deep, but the touch, the accuracy, and it was a great play and it set up, you know, another touchdown on that drive. So I wish everyone could have seen it. I was trying to find highlight clips, but thanks uh, ESPN plus and Arkansas state for that, I guess, but maybe we can get the coaches film or something. Maybe <laughs> the Tigers, I'm sure the Tigers got film of it. <laughs> But, hope so. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, by and large, though, I will say most of the throws Hennigan made and like uh, most of the touchdown passes, whether the two to Calvin Austin were just because like that was now now Seth Hennigan put him in the exact right spot, the ball. But those were essentially just pretty simple passing plays that Calvin Austin's speed turned into touchdowns. Sean Dykes's second touchdown was just him running over a defender and running down the sideline. Um, I don't think the point I'm trying to make is 
it's not going to be that easy against Mississippi no, State. Uh, it, that Arkansas State defense, while it was probably a step up from Nickel State, that looked like a bad, bad defense Arkansas State had. They were missing tackles. They could, they could not keep up with the playmakers Memphis has. Um, and I suspect Mississippi State will be better equipped to keep up with the playmakers Memphis has. So you're going to have it, – it's – it's going to involve Seth Hennigan making more of those precision type throws, but the early returns are that he, you know, I mean, no interceptions yet. Um, and, and he, he looks like when he needs to, you know, whether it's put touch on the ball or put velocity on the ball, he, he's got that in his repertoire. Um, so, so far so good, uh, with Hennigan. So, um, and then, and then special teams-wise, one thing to keep an eye on is Joe Doyle struggled kicking the ball uh, this week. Missed an extra point and missed a field goal, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Uh, yeah. Do we have an update on, you know, David Kemp was the highly touted freshman that we assumed was going to, you know, look like he was going to be the heir apparent to Riley Patterson, um, but he's he got hurt in preseason. Was there any update provided on that? Are we gonna? See, is it likely we see Doyle kicking field goals again, or could we see someone new? So Kemp was kicking field goals during warmups, and he was dressed. So we thought he was going to play, but um, obviously they went to Doyle. Uh, we didn't get an update from Ryan Silverfield this week on that, so that'll be something to watch. But my gut is, if Kemp was out there during warmups. He's getting closer to being back on the field, and that would be a good sign because, granted, what Joe, Doyle, what Joe Doyle did in that first game was great considering he hadn't kicked field goals in four years, but it is concerning in this kind of game where every point, every missed opportunity matters, and so we'll see what happens on who's kicking field goals uh, come Saturday. Yeah, so we keep mentioning Saturday, so let's turn our attention to that. It's a huge – it's probably the biggest home game um, – Probably the biggest home game at the Liberty Bowl since the AAC championship game against Cincinnati in 2019. Um, like, I think this is big to me in my mind. Maybe others disagree. Bigger than that UCF home game last year, simply because there's going to be fans. It's uh, it's an SEC team coming into, into it's the regional, Liberty Bowl. It's regional. Yeah, regional rivalry. Um, but it, it comes in the, in the shadow, the context of – Memphis getting snubbed by the Big 12. Um, and the reality that these types of games matter a lot for a program like Memphis. When you can get an SEC program to come into your building, it just doesn't happen very often. And even though, you know, I think us and Memphis fans, when we look at this Memphis football program, we don't think they need to prove, like, they don't need to prove, like, in my mind, they don't need to prove they can beat a team like Mississippi State because they've beaten a team, they've beaten teams like Mississippi State. They beat Ole Miss two years ago. They beat UCLA in 2017. They beat Ole Miss in 2015. They, you know, they went toe to toe with Penn State in the Cotton Bowl. Like, right. It's right. not like, like, to me, this isn't make some make or break game for the perception of Memphis football, but the reality is, for the greater college football world, um, if Memphis wins this game, people are going to notice. And if they don't, if they're, they're going to look at Memphis and go, oh, 
there goes Memphis again. And and in the greater context of conference realignment, I'm not saying that's what gets you into the Big 12, but you want to stay in people's consciousness as a you know team capable of beating Mississippi State. Like the reality is, like for instance, on the college football highlight shows, they didn't show the Memphis Arkansas State game. Okay, it wasn't even on TV. We had the worst TV crew of all time broadcasting it. This Mississippi yep. State game's on ESPN too. It's not like some giant spotlight. But the reality is, is if, if Memphis beats Mississippi State, they'll make all the highlight shows, you know, and that stuff is important, I think, just in the context of, you know, the momentum of the program. And again, it's not to suggest beating Mississippi State is going to show the Big 12, you should have taken Memphis, like they should, they just should have taken Memphis, but um, it, it just continues that momentum that the program has built. Um, and so that's what it, that's, that's sort of where I see the stakes of this game being. Um, and then it's also two, you know, like you said, a regional rivalry to two and O teams and, you know, who knows the next, I don't know when the next time you're going to get Mississippi state into the Liberty bowl, to be perfectly honest with you with how non-conference scheduling is going and the sec considering going to, you know, nine conference game, like it's going to be harder and harder to get these SEC teams to come to the Liberty Bowl. Um, so it's a, it's an important game. It's 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 you know, you don't it's important because you just don't get a lot of opportunities like this. Right. And let me let me um quickly chime in on this on future schedules just so you, to to prove your point. So Memphis is going to have Missouri here in 23. They're going to have Arkansas here in 25, but they don't have any other Oh wait, and they have this. They actually they have Mississippi State here in twenty eight. Actually, two thousand twenty eight. So you don't have these chances often. So yeah, it, that's to prove your point a little bit. Yeah, no, it's uh, and and it's a you know it's a Mississippi State program that is you know coming off the Dan Mullen era, which was as you know about you know especially with Dak Prescott about as good as Mississippi State football's ever been, um, and now they have Mike Leach, you know one of the more interesting guys in college football with. You know, one of the one of the great innovators, I would say, in modern college football with that air raid offense. Um, but what's interesting is through his first year and two games now, they've really been more of a team that's relied more heavily on their defense than you expected. Um, what to you, Evan, when you look at this matchup, what sort of what what things stand out about Mississippi State and and sort of what Memphis is about to go up against? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned their defense because while you know Will Rogers is putting up some numbers, I was looking last night and this Mississippi State defense has been fairly solid for the most part this year. Like they've they forced five takeaways, they're good stopping the run. Those are all things that concern me a little bit because Memphis has been able to do pretty well running the ball these first two games. Brandon Thomas is the nation's leading rusher right now. So I'm concerned about will Memphis be able to run the ball? And if so, I mean, if they can't, how much pressure is going to be on Seth Hennigan, kind of what you talked about earlier, to be able to um, move the ball downfield? And I think this is going to be a game where they're probably going to say, Seth Hennigan, you beat us. And I'm a little bit concerned because Mississippi State does have some really good defensive backs. Um, I'm looking right now, they had a couple guys who Calvin Austin said were NFL caliber uh, cornerbacks and Martin Emerson, Emmanuel Forbes. So I think I'm concerned with how is Calvin Austin going to hold up against 
these long, lanky cornerbacks who can match him athletically a little bit. Um, and also just kind of like this, how's the Memphis offense going to show? Like we've seen good things so far, but can they handle SEC defense? And again, like we said before, can this defense get enough stops? Because Memphis's defense only has one takeaway this year. They have two sacks. Um, I think they're going to have to keep, not to create pressure, but they're going to have to, you know, steal some possessions away. That's kind of how they beat Ole Miss two years ago was they got turnovers, they got stops, and we need to see this Memphis defense do that. So those are some of the things that I'm looking at right now as far as the matchup. Yeah, it's it's interesting um, to me. I think it's going it, to – a lot of times these matchups between SEC teams and group of five teams – where the biggest difference is that you see, like I'm not, frankly, I'm not concerned as concerned about Calvin Austin or Javon Ivory or Sean Dykes or Brandon Thomas making plays in the open field. I'm concerned about how Memphis's lines, both O-line and D-line are going to hold up against SEC O-line and D-lines. Um, this Memphis offensive line has been very, very good through two games. Um, but this is going to be a huge step up. Um, and, you know, part of the reason Hennigan has been so successful is he hasn't faced much of a pass rush. He's, you know, he hasn't been under duress. Um, how is he going to do with the speed of an SEC defense? You know, the fact, you know, frankly, I think, you know, I think he's due to throw an interception. So how, do, how does Memphis overcome the fact that he's probably not going to have a perfect game? against Mississippi State. And if he does, well, then maybe that's a sign that he's truly is really maybe a special quarterback if he's doing that as a true freshman. So that's something to keep an eye on. And then, yeah, like you said, um, defensively, um, to me, this is the type of game where, you know, I'm not saying you, you, you need for Memphis to win, they need the defense to hold Mississippi State to like, you know, a touchdown or two. But... I just, you know, I don't know if you can win, you know, I don't know if you want to have to score 55 points again to beat Mississippi State. I don't know if that's possible. Um, so the defense needs to figure out something, whether it's personnel and uh, or, or schematically, because you know Mississippi State is looking at that Arkansas State film and going, all right, we can pick apart this secondary. Um, yep. And whether it's creating more pressure or figuring out something on the back end, uh, Memphis needs to make some adjustments there. Um, I personally think I would, you know, it looked like they when they were when they were playing playing sitting back and reacting, this defense didn't do great. When they've had their success over the last five years or so. And look back two years ago when they had the Cotton Bowl team, and there's a lot of guys on this defense that played in that in on that that defense. They were at their best, or or they were at least they seemed to be better when they were attacking other de offenses. And that I mean by blitzing, by you know, like I think their best bet here is to get pressure on Will Rogers, um, yeah. and it, you know that means possibly leaving your secondary vulnerable again. Um, but frankly, they didn't do that well when they weren't pressuring uh, against Arkansas State. So um, it's going to be a 
it's going to be a fascinating uh, X's and O's battle in this one because um, it feels like – here's what I would say. It feels like right now Mississippi State can win a game when it doesn't score 30 points. I don't know if Memphis can win a game without scoring 30 points. And so um, how this all plays out will be will be really fun to watch. It should be a great atmosphere at the Liberty Bowl. Um, probably a decent amount of Mississippi State fans, um, but also but, a lot. Of- but no cowbells. Yeah, there will not be any cowbells thanks to the Liberty. Well, I'm going to bet someone sneaks in a cowbell or two. Not going to lie. You can sneak you can sneak contraband anywhere. I'm just saying that at least legally there will not be that ringing of the noise. It's like you're not allowed to bring in outside alcohol into a football game. I'm sure. And no one ever brings any outside alcohol. Uh, Of course not. No one ever does. that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I will say like anyone like. If, the, if you hear from, like, it sounds like to me the Liberty Bowl policy of no artificial noisemakers, i.e. no cowbells, like, one, this wasn't just put into place for the Mississippi State game. It's a longstanding policy. It's yes. Liberty Bowl. And from yeah. what I understand, this is large, by and large the policy everywhere Mississippi State goes. Um, like, it's not like uh, – it's not like Memphis is the only one that's done this to Mississippi State fans. Like it's it's a lot of road venues for them. Say no cowbell because from what I I've never been to a game in Starkville, but from what I've been told, like in like those cowbells make it really loud um, when the, when when Mississippi State's going. I I can just tell you this as a growing up in LA as a Lakers fan when we when they used to play the Sacramento Kings you could hear those cowbells in Sacramento through the television set so I can imagine it's worse live I'm just I'm just saying cowbells have a way of being louder than you think from little small bells that just you know look like they can fit in your pocket or whatever yeah but it's a it's a it's a matchup I think though we mentioned the broader context of this for Memphis yes it's important to win probably for perception of the like, perception of the program by college football fans outside Memphis, you know, like ultimately it'll help that, you know, they'll be, Oh, beat Mississippi state. Pretty good win. I would also point this out. Like ultimately this meant, you know, I think a lot of people, I don't know about you, Evan, I don't know about people listening, you know, ultimately I kind of chalked this game up as a loss going into the year. Um, and the fact that Memphis enters as like a three-point underdog, like you're, they're right where you thought they'd be. Um, that, that's how I would sum up the first two games. Even though there's a freshman quarterback, even though the defense played poorly again, in the, especially in the second half against Arkansas State, like it feels like. And correct me if I'm wrong here. Through two games, it feels like the offense is a little better than I thought it was going to be. Defense is a little worse than I thought it was going to be. And taken together, Memphis is right where I thought they were going to be heading into the Mississippi State game. I would have said the same thing. I think if you expected this offense to be explosive after two games, probably not. But here they are. If you thought the defense would be a little bit better, here we are. They're not as good as maybe we thought. But again, let's see what happens on Saturday, I think Saturday will kind of shake out kind of kind of what this team is. And even UTSA, I think, next week will too. But this game, we should get a good sense on kind of like the, maybe some of the strengths and some of the concerns about this team once Mississippi, once Mississippi State leaves the Liberty Bowl. 
right, before we go, Evan, I want a crowd predict a number, a, a prediction for the attendance number, and then a predict prediction for the game. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna go with forty three thousand. Just okay. because of the travel, I think Mississippi State fans will travel, and I think fans will show up. I'm hoping 43. Maybe that's a little bit high, but I want to see if, if, if Ole Miss can get 40,000. Wait, no. Let's go 41,000. Let's be 41,000. 40, 41. 40, okay. Yeah, I'm going to go into – do you have a score prediction? Oh, sc- oh shoot. Score prediction. Uh, Come back to that after your, after your crowd prediction. I, I'm gonna go. So there, I was at the Liberty Bowl last week. They had forty-six thousand plus for the Southern Heritage Classic. I'm gonna say Memphis doesn't quite get there. I'm gonna go with forty-five thousand. Okay. Um, okay. And, and then, but you know, but I think that I, I think there's gonna be. I think what's gonna happen is you're gonna get the thirty thousand fans, thirty to thirty-five thousand fans that you got for the opener. And then you're going to add ten or 15,000 Mississippi State fans on top of that. You know what? I, I went back and looked. Ole Miss brought, the Ole Miss game two years ago was 44,000. I'm going to go back to my original thought. I'm going to say 45. That was my first 40th, first guess. I'll say 45,000. Okay. Um, that, um, that now, score? Um, I'm going to say right now, like, I'll go Mississippi State. 28 Memphis 24 which means I guess they they cover they don't cover right it's it's a three, three, yeah, I think it's three point spread right now yeah mm-hmm. I'm going I think we're gonna have it's gonna be a higher scoring game than that um I, and but I'm gonna say unfortunately Memphis can't quite keep up I'll go 45 uh 45 35 Mississippi State that's, that's sort of Ooh. how I see it that's the score. Uh, it'll be a fourth quarter game. It'll be a fourth quarter game. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but you know, ultimately, I, I, where I'm concerned for with Memphis is I, I don't know, like I don't know if their O line and their D line can stand up to SEC O line and D lines. Uh, I, I'm just not sure about that at this point. Um, and then you add on the fact that the secondary looked. Frankly, like it was not quite as athletic as Arkansas State's receivers at times. Um, that concerns me uh, going into this one. I, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be able to stop Mississippi State like they're going to need to stop them to win this game. I mean, if you if you recall when they beat Ole Miss a couple years ago, that was a 15-10 game. Right. Um, so. Um, and now I will say that, and I don't know if that old that Ole Miss offense, even though Matt Corral played in that game, I think that was um, his first start. If I'm not yeah, mistaken, it wasn't. No, he didn't. I thought. I think the, the that was why part of the reason why that coach Ole Miss was so bad and Rich Rodriguez was so bad. They didn't start. He played, but he didn't start. They were starting the other guy. Um, but that Ole Miss offense at that point was not, you know, a Mike Leach offense. Um, and so uh, it it will be. Uh, It'll be interesting. I I think Memphis can win the game. I don't know if they will, but I think they can. They show they got enough offensive firepower to pull it off if they can protect Seth Hennigan. Um and, and the defense, you know, hopefully the defense can have a bounce back effort. Um, but should be a lot of fun at the Liberty Bowl this Saturday. Uh two thirty or no, excuse me, three o'clock kickoff, correct? Three o'clock. 
Three o'clock kickoff on ESPN2. Um, I would suggest going there because there's nothing like a big game at the Liberty Bowl. Um, Those are always fun, and Memphis tends to uh, play well in these games, these showcase games at the Liberty Bowl. They've won what now, 16 games in a row at the Liberty Bowl? 16 straight. Going for number 17. Should Like I said, should be a lot of fun. We'll have tons of coverage over at CommercialAppeal.com the rest of the week. Um, as well as on game day and beyond, uh, make sure you are checking it out. Uh, Till next time, I was Mark. I was joined by Evan. Thanks so much, and uh, no cowbell. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.